Welcome to Above the Fold, a marketing podcast powered by Brafton and hosted by two men we found at the local bar. Jeff focuses on the data and Francis focuses on the creative. Together, they lead unfocused conversations on what's going on in digital marketing. Sometimes they have guests. They plan nothing. This is Above the Fold and Below Your Expectations. And welcome everyone again. This is Above the Fold, episode number five of season two. <laughs> so always you got uh, Francis oh, and Jeff. Sorry. Jeff just sneezing <clears throat> allergies. whenever he wants. Are you, you okay there, friend? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Pollen in the air or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be okay. Hey, keep, keep, keep going. Don't, actually, don't let me stop. No, you. no, no. It, it's ruined you now. You you want, so that's our first sneeze. I think I, that's our first sneeze. You know what that was? I was just being really passive aggressive. <laughs> oh yeah, Francis gets to introduce the, us again. What's you know the what? best way? What's yeah. the best way that I can ruin the intro? Sneezing, I'm just sneeze. sneezing right through that. Did you just have pepper in your hand and just like throw it up to the nose the second I started recording? No, I actually that, overshot it. I have pepper spray. I actually overshot a little bit, and I'm now I'm dying. <laughs> I wanted to count. Huge mistake. Huge. I, I, I came way over the top of that one. Like bear spray. Yeah. <laughs> little, little, little you much. Plan, you planned way too much for that. Um, so first sneeze, maybe not our last, but hey, what the <laughs> hell? Doesn't matter. We don't. We don't do our own intros anymore, so it's all fine. We don't edit sneezes um, either. I just have, no, we don't. It's going to live on forever. I can't wait for that to be on a loop, and that's all you hear. <laughs> You know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hit that button every time you're talking too long. Just, <laughs> yeah, at some point we need a soundboard. Yeah. Uh, we're probably getting close to having enough sound effects or random, you know, banter crap that we can have a we can have a soundboard. So that should be in our goals for season two. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a an AI electrocution button. Anytime we mention AI, it's just actually we, we should wire it directly into our chairs so that way our EP uh, Lauren Fox can just hit a button and it just like <laughs> electrocutes our gluteus. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to pour some gasoline on that. Did you just say, ah, Lauren, like you forgot her name for like a half EP. a second. E- EP. Y- has- you went EP, uh, Lauren, Lauren, it's Lauren. Really? That's right. Um, yeah. A little yeah. bit. Again, oh, I'll, I'll play that gonna, on a loop too. Right. That's going to be immortalized too. I'm gonna have a new. I'm gonna have a new track. I'm gonna add some music uh, to this. It's gonna be great. Every time we hop on a call, she's gonna be like, "This is uh, Lauren." <laughs> yeah, and Never then you'll be sad. Uh, you'll be so sad. Which is, I say that only to segue us to the first thing we wanted to kind of just just touch on was that you found a Twitter status about sad SEO oh, yeah. stories <laughs> in three oh, no. words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. It's it's tell a, a sad SEO story. Oh, in, tell? In, yeah. Okay. Tell tell a sad SEO story in three words. This thing went nuts. There's so many. I even contributed it to it as well. <laughs> so what are so, what so, are some of the stories? What, somebody, what any, anybody listening that's in the SEO, some of these are going to be full on trigger warning. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so Wix got nailed hard. Like Wix was in every third post. Uh, do you remember uh, what was it? The, the Super Bowl that Wix said something about SEO. Yes, I actually pointed that out to like you because Wix, yeah, Wix for Wix, SEO, so Wix.com, like you, yeah. you can create your own. You can create your own website. And All right, we thought part it was, of it was that. It, yeah, we, we thought it was that cool you make, you could, that somebody mentioned SEO <laughs> like in the public sphere. Right. Um, every SEO apparently rolled their eyes and groaned. They're like, "Oh yeah, right, Wix for <laughs> SEO." So uh, it, that came that came through in this. So here's, here's we'll just start with Wix. Um, write a sad SEO story in three words. Wix SEO whiz. Wix does SEO. 
there's a few other ones. Uh, sprinkle in keywords. That's that's a good one. That, oh my <laughs> god! Okay, if, if you want to brand yourself as a non-SEO person and and publicly declare yeah. that you have no idea what the hell you're talking about, just say sprinkle in <laughs> keywords. Uh, oh, like a, it's a spice, like it's a spice over the pot of like, like content salt, marketing. Like salt bay. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we need to oh, create just a little bit. Oh, salt, yeah. Oh, it should <laughs> be that. That would have been great. You remember <laughs> salt bay? I love that. I actually, I, do. I did that for like three weeks, and when I wasn't even cooking, I just walk around the house doing salt bay. Shame on you, but great, <laughs> but also shame on you. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. All right, here's a couple more. Um, Dev site did SEO, meaning the dev. Oh, <laughs> major cut on dev dev people. For those of you that don't know, uh, no offense to dev people, they do an amazing job with dev, not so amazing job with SEO. So whenever you see <laughs> dev did SEO, it usually means like there's like a no index or no follow, something catastrophic waiting for you in there. Uh, that's that's why that joke is kind of funny. Um, goes in house. That's like the first the worst words that an agency can hear. Um, yeah, and then, and then on the flip side, money. on the flip side, we got used an agency, uh, which we, <laughs> we, we, we've thrown plenty of shade at SEO agencies in the past. So that, that one rings true. Oh boy. Um, yeah. Bing market share. <laughs> uh, I, have you ever had a client come to you say we want, we want to rank at Bing? I don't think I've heard that. <laughs> No, no, but I think it'd be hilarious if they did. <laughs> <laughs> we want to optimize for Internet Explorer. Like the same vein, same conversation. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Uh, uh, quick wins, please. <laughs> that, I've definitely heard that. I've definitely heard hey, that. Hey, that one's alive and well, actually. You can't even you can't even respond to that because your head has to explode like six times, and then you start going like, oh. What? Oh no, it's a full on humpy. My head explodes. I got to put it all back together again and I have to go piece together a coherent response. It's not rude. (laughs) Um, You mentioned you had one. What was your sad SEO story? What was your contribution to this? Uh, It was something about keywords, but it wasn't nearly as clever as these ones here. Sprinkling (laughs) keywords was much, much better. Um, oh God! I, I can even visualize it and hear it at the same. It's awful. Um, use target keywords. That's what this, I said. Use target keywords. Use target. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, there's like there's like three more. Uh, one is links for sale. That's a great one. Uh, guaranteed first rankings. So apparently that one's still out there. I mean that was hot for a while. Um, and then SEO is dead. That was the last one. Oh, good. Let's end there. That's <laughs> yeah. That's the perfect ending to that. that that's Twitter that's a good one if for you. Is um, yeah, basically. Um, if anyone is interested in finding these later, the handle was um, at bright on SEO. Uh, bright on SEO is like one, one sort of thing. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to find it later. Um, or just find Jeff on Twitter, and you can you know, kind of double back. But the um, that was hilarious. We could probably go on for another twenty twenty five minutes. Does you telling me sad <laughs> SEO stories? We get it. Yeah, we. I was actually. I was gonna. Re- <laughs> I know you've got important things to talk about, to like, like battle, no, battle actually, angels and, and animations and stuff. I saw. Yeah, I saw. So everybody, Francis angel. is getting into anime. Do you collect anime? <laughs> uh, they do comic books. There's nothing they, wrong with com- anime. It's, yeah, you don't even whoa, know. Whoa, 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 no, whoa, whoa. I don't. Pause. I don't. Pause. Break. Yeah. Reverse yeah. that. There's nothing wrong with anime. How old are you? Why do? How old are you? Uh, there's nothing wrong. Why do you hate anime? Huh? I respect it as a as an art form. I don't read a lot of it, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap on it. 
Yeah, no, I'm gonna let anyway. you. I'm gonna let you have this. Go ahead. Just <laughs> grab your Go shovel. All right. Grab your shovel and dig. I'm gonna watch from the sidelines. Go ahead. I can't believe you hate it. Fine, if you hate anime. I don't but the, um, hate it. I'm just. A, I'm an adult. I, that's all. No offense. I saw. Uh, whatever. I'm not even gonna. Not, oh, come on, go ahead. Don't let nah. don't let me ruin nah. it for you. Um, I saw I saw Alita Battle Angel um this past week, and only because like it's, it's school vacation week, the kids have gone there, uh, you know, at their grandparents' house having a sleepover. So my wife is with them, and so I was alone. Came home from work, nothing to do, and my first reaction was, oh, "I'm gonna get takeout. I'm gonna watch TV or play video games." And I realized, wait, I don't have to be here right now. And it's Monday, and I haven't been in the movies in, like, you know, months because it's impossible to go to the movies. And so Alita Battle Angel was the only movie that looked, you know, halfway interesting to me. And um, I Lauren's going to hate this, but it was kind of about robots and AI. And there the we thing go. That happened, Two within I'm, 10 I'm minutes, ruin it. man. Um, I, it was basically how, like, you know, AI Smooth was almost, button. like, being formed with the humans. So, like, humans were, like, part AI. Um, they had, like, robotic arms, and some yeah. of them just had their heads, or part of their brains were AI. Um, it was an interesting take. But the, good, uh, huh? the, more, the more impressive thing was that the main character, um, Alita, uh, in, in the movie, was all motion capture. And she was existing oh. in a scene with, like, other, like, real, quote-unquote, like, actors. Um, it was much like the, you know, a much updated version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Dude, you know, it was kind of that same dude, idea. Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> that was classic. Do you remember yeah. that there yeah. were scenes in that movie that still terrify, you know, those scary things that you see when you're young that just kind of stick with you forever? Yeah. Like, okay. Yep. So one of those was the scene where he dips the boot in the acid. That, <laughs> that, that actually just, that replaying in my brain might ruin this, this rest of this podcast. You might be. I, I can see that. I can see that scene in my mind right now. Immediately. Oh, immediately. Yeah. That triggers other childhood traumatic movies like Fire in the Sky. I will never watch that again. That wasn't. Well, I remember Fire Alien, in the Sky. Alien I movie? Guess, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Getting taken and blah, blah, blah. After that movie, I swear to God, I woke up at six in the morning one time and I saw yeah. half an alien's face coming through my wall. It was staring right at me. Wow. I know it's true. I swear to God, it was there. Nobody believes me. One person in this world believes I, me. I saw an alien. How old were you? Oh, like, why is that relevant? Because if, if you're young, you have a much more impressionable. Oh, mind. you, you just see, saw you're already movie. disqualifying my account. You gotta believe. You saw an alien believe head come the through victim. the wall. Believe the victim. <laughs> hey, age is all right. It, it might have been fair for me to put age on your your anime interest yeah all right yeah don't put age on my on my experience <laughs> with aliens <laughs> what did the alien head do did it, it look just, at you yeah did just it, it, it stared at me for like outside it stared at me for like 10 minutes i just sat there frozen in bed. this was right after yeah. this was right after you saw fire in the sky all right i see what you're doing i see what you're I mean, doing come on man come you on. just saw it yeah i saw an alien after i saw aliens and i knew that i mean it was a dream or it was my coat on the chair i don't know but <laughs> hell <laughs> i think we've got trust issues here. Either way. yeah no we you want to see my credentials that that's that's well documented that's well documented i've shot it in, in, and br- in, uh, brought you evidence <laughs> you should have you have yeah, right <laughs> um one last thing i'll mention after mentioning who friend roger rabbit though i'm surprised you went with christopher lloyd and not even mentioned jessica rabbit because of all the characters in that movie that's the one that's kind of like, oh, wow, this is not a cartoon thing I'm used to seeing. This is different. 
That was um, that, that was, was unique for the involved. time, wasn't it? Like they never yeah, did. It was. They never sexualized a cartoon before that that I can think of. Oh well, I mean, I mean not that overtly. Not, not that overtly. overtly. Like, I mean, they they had the Pepe yeah. Le Pew thing, you know, where he was sure. A, a probably would have had a uh, restraining order against him in this time and age. At the very Char- least, yeah, he's yeah. not a good character for. <laughs> Yeah, now that, <laughs> that's that's a different issue altogether. Yeah, now that as a, a society we've grown up, we we realize that that's very inappropriate. <laughs> that was a very inappropriate skunk. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, good good point. That was a that was a very interesting take. It, it wasn't that was never done before. Nothing like that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go home and watch that movie again. I, I now I want to see the whole damn thing. Um, anyway, I'm glad that we veered properly from Twitter to Alita to uh, to Fred and Roger Rabbit. Um, Always fun, stirring the pot and veering around. Um, but let's uh, let's jump into topic one and see if we can't do something useful. So topic one comes from an article I found at uh, uh, from Popular Science, and basically it was rating the different search engines that are out there and asking the question, you know, which one which one is best. And it was talking about Google, it was talking about Bing, and it was talking about DuckDuckGo. Now. I only bring this up because for a while, and Jeff, you've, you've mentioned this in past episodes about DuckDuckGo. I honestly thought DuckDuckGo was like a joke. I didn't think it was real. <laughs> I thought that it was like an Ask well, Jeeves kind of thing. The it was name like sounds search like search engine that. Yeah, the, the name sounds like a it joke. It sounds like a joke. Yeah. It sounds like a joke. Oh, yeah. DuckDuckGo. Um, you, can, you, can't, you can't really verb that either. Oh, DuckDuckGo. You're right. That, yeah. that does, that's like a, <laughs> like a Dr. Seuss. That doesn't roll off the tongue at all. And it's so close to like, I'm going to duck it and that kind of, that's going to sound like something else. And that doesn't really work either. So already it's got problems. It's got branding problems. But my, my surprise was that it was real. Apparently it's been around since 2008 and it's It's big claim to fame is, uh, that's what it says on the website. That's what it says. Um, Basically it's about privacy. And from my quick research from this basically told me that it sounds like it's like the incognito, you know, browser window for everything like you just use it and then no you're not tracked now is that right i mean what do you know about DuckDuckGo? because i'm just i am just experiencing now all of this for the first well, time but before we even get into that i mean should we even talk about the fact that they they have an article that's comparing three search engines is that is that's that relevant yeah. i mean what is what does that mean that we're comparing three search engines I, the only conversation has been google and that's it's almost like we've assumed that that's going to be a staple of our society for forever. You know, it's just like assume that Google is going to be there. Uh, well, do you think it might not be there? Is that a possibility? And- I mean, nothing has ever held that like, you know, mantle for so long. And the fact that, I mean, there's always, there's always going to be a need for competition, you know, no matter what, there's got to be a number two that kind of forces, you know, the hand of number uh, one to be a little bit better. Well, we get so, so- being kind of, it's so normalized. Sort of, uh, you know. it's, it's, yeah, it's like it's like life gets so normalized that we don't even consider the fact that something that we see every single day could go away. You know, MySpace is an example. Just assume you implicitly assume everything is going to stay the way it is now, and the idea of it being gone seems crazy. But it happens. Stuff just disappears. Yeah, and as as much of a hold that Google has on society, it is possible someday that that hold suddenly weakens and it, it fades away. Right, um, like a Roman Empire it's a good type point. thing. It's like <laughs> it does. You're right. It's and true. Roman Empire like fell, nothing, so. nothing has lasted forever, yeah. right? Can you think of any no. company? Well, I mean, I guess some companies have, have made it over 
hundreds of years, but not many. I mean, bank. You, I mean, you go maybe take banks out of it because it's almost unfair. Some yeah. of those bank, you know, financial institutions were grounded in the birth of this country. So, I'm not, but anything like, you know, I guess if we're talking about tech wise, probably not. Oh I can't, yeah, uh, the rate of change in tech. I mean, they're they're all yeah. exposed to competition because it just it happens yeah. so fast. There's there's no way for somebody to create a market where, uh, or create a product where you can't break into that market anymore. There's so many talented techs now that we can reproduce things. Um, Let's just tangent for a second here. Like what, what do you think would it take for Google to to get knocked out, to get knocked out of the running and become irrelevant? Wow. Well, I guess you start with how much, I, well, you go, first got to start with what Google looks like now, because right now it's so ingrained in, a, in, in, in our lives. So when I use Google, it's obviously for search, but I also use Google Maps. Yeah. Um, those two things alone would have something of that nature would have to kind of fade. So why don't we start with Google Maps? The fact that I have I need this thing to find where I'm going, blah, blah, blah. If. I don't need that. Maybe that assumes I don't need to drive anymore, or maybe I don't have to worry about the direction or traffic because that's not going to be part of my life anymore, which means at some point, if we have self-driving cars or some way of getting from point A to point B that I don't have to manage, maybe that makes Google Maps irrelevant. And going back to search. So you're kind of getting, so you're kind of getting to like, um, it's products becoming obsolete. Uh, causing yeah. it to disappear as opposed to something that the company does that goes out of favor, like the privacy stuff that they're getting into or, um, you know, uh, causing issues with publishers because they're taking content and putting it on search engine result pages. Do you think there's any type of behavior that they could, that they could be doing that might, you know, put them, cast them in a bad light publicly? I mean, I think I think they're halfway there. I mean, you had mentioned last in the last show that, but it would take um, a lot to no crash evil. a company, right? I mean, Chuck E. Cheese didn't crash, and they're smashing their pieces <laughs> together like fra- like Frankenstein. <laughs> yes, yes, they haven't, they haven't crashed yet. I was just going to say that. Um, <laughs> no, but no, you're right. I think um, it does, it would take a lot, and I you're right. I focus on the product because that's where the where they are in my life. But you're also right in the sense that. They are collecting all this data. They're part of that. And you had mentioned in the last episode, and I actually haven't read this yet, but, you know, they don't have don't, uh, do no evil as part of their, like, mantra or their, or their mission statement. Um, <laughs> Worse than that, they removed it. They, they had that in there. They removed it. Which, which is curious, <laughs> by the way, that they put it in there in the first place. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, if you walk into a restaurant and it says everywhere, fresh baked, or fresh made. What do you hide? Why <laughs> are you comp- why are you compensating? What do you why would you put that for? Is this is almost like a social agreement that it should be, right? So if I come in and somebody says, "Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Google. I'm not going to do any evil." Like the first thing I'm going to think is, "What evil are you going to do?" <laughs> exactly. And why did you have to tell me? Why are you, that? Why are you why telling did, me? Why that? Did you- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, well, um, on, on on that point of uh, what they could do to to put off society, I think it's possible. This whole privacy thing is it's really starting to piss people off. Facebook, is yeah. a very good case. People are pretty put, pissed off about that. So I think if they're not cognizant of that and they really just keep pushing this thing and they keep getting caught up and stuff, could be could be something. I don't know. 
it's it's still going to take way more understanding and like and I guess the reason I focused on the products though is because that's where I think that's where it starts to change. Like if if suddenly if suddenly something happened and people didn't like what Google Maps was doing or that you know they realized they didn't need it anymore, that's where that's where behaviors will start to change. Um, I think if if you just talk about even the congressional hearing that you know Google was a part of, it was clear that the uh, you know the the politicians you know some were informed, some were not, some were asking some crazy questions. Oh, which ones um, were informed? That was just an exercise <laughs> of of uninformedness. Not all of it. I I'll, to be honest, I listened to a good portion of that and toward and it, that's unfortunate, but like it was toward the end. You listen to not going to remember anything. Jesus, man. You've got I some did. wild Friday had, nights, don't you? I had an, hour, Alita, I had an hour commute. <laughs> following the Fire Film Festival on Twitter, listening to congressional <laughs> hearings. Man, life it is was crazy all, it at was the all interesting shit. Jesus. <laughs> um, Things change when you have kids. You just find entertainment in all sorts of weird, different places. Um, but no, there was, there, was a, there was a couple informed questions. I will say that. Um but imagine if they were all like that and imagine if they really took Google to task. That's, I think, when things start to change. I do think the privacy thing is a huge issue and I do think that it is going to affect people way more, maybe in the generation coming up that are much more you know, knowledgeable about online presence, what happens, what they have online and so on. Um, I think Google will have to change and adjust to that. Well, that's the, that's the whole point of DuckDuckGo. And I think that's a pretty good segue is their whole, uh, their whole platform is a search engine based on privacy. So like you said, uh, like a permanent incognito window. Uh, yeah, that kind of, but do we really know if that's, if we're fully in, uh, incognito, is it keeping some cookies? I don't know. The, the whole point of DuckDuckGo is it's encrypted. There's no cookies. And it's like fully private search. And you actually, you have to pay for that privacy with lack of customization. So that's kind of like the trade-off. So when you're searching in Google, mm. you're going to get customized results, right? So if you, okay. a good example in the article was if you search dolphins in Google, uh, it's going to know that you're referring to the Miami dolphins because you've probably done a bunch of sports searches beforehand or the other way around. You might be really interested in dolphins for whatever reason. Um, right. On the flip side of that, if you're on DuckDuckGo, you're going to get searches that are like absent of any customization because it's not tracking any data. So you're just going to get whatever, whatever pops up. It's going to be like super generalized and untailored to you. So what you gain in privacy, you lose in customization and relevance to you. So I think it's it's kind of come down to a person's choice on which of those two things they want to give up. I don't even know what I would do because I think, and going back to the idea of, of Google being so ingrained in my life, I don't know what that feels like anymore to have a search engine not be customized. You know what I mean? Like I know exactly, I've almost been like trained how to Google by Google. And I know that when I use certain words, it's going to pop up because I've been, I've been searching that for a while or whatever. Yeah. And to suddenly use something that is devoid of all that, that I'm just being treated like a blank slate, um, is interesting to say the very least. And I kind of want to play around with it to see what it, what it, what it feels like again. Um, well, there's actually like a, a social element to this too, like a societal element. In that when you get customized results, 
you get what they call a filter bubble. So you really mm-hmm. only see things that are relevant to your way of thinking and you don't see any other. You see the best example of this is on Twitter. You get that filter bubble. You get this uh, this bias bubble, almost like an echo chamber where it's only feeding yeah. things that you're super interested in and things that you agree with. So you're never going to see the opposing viewpoints on anything. And it just like reinforces more extreme. I know I'm getting a little political here, but it reinforces more extreme ways of thinking. So I think that's worth considering because when you get the duck, duck, go results, you're going to see mixed stuff. You're not going to see the stuff that's customized to and confirming your biases. You're going to see everything, you know, different viewpoints on stuff. Which is really intriguing. I mean, that's, and I think people assume that of Google, like they're going to, they're going to search something and feel like this is everything that's out there. And this is all, all, all viewpoints, which I guess. No. Is its own little brand of scary, you know, like yeah, they think yeah. this hasn't been customized. If you are in an incognito window, uh, then sh- maybe you'll get some of those untailored results, but it still knows your IP address. So it's going to. Exactly. And I was going to say it's still localized. And- yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's still localized. Whereas DuckDuckGo doesn't use any geo filters. So it's assuming that you're on the moon. Why? Did they call it DuckDuckGo? <laughs> yeah, no I'm idea. Go to the core of this right now. Why? Why? Well, it's a game. God's name, did they call it? Duck- <laughs> it's a game. Do you do you remember that in school? DuckDuckGo. Yeah, I do. My girls yeah. play with. Uh, love that game. But I just put why in all game. the names. You gotta, chase, you gotta chase the person around, right? They tap your head, and you gotta chase them around. You gotta catch them. You know before. what my youngest does? So she'll she'll do duck, but she'll keep saying duck like a, for a ridiculous amount of time. So you never really know when she's gonna say goose. And there'll be times that she, she runs around the circle the, like ten times. To, yeah. yeah, she builds the tension. Yeah, yeah. she does absolutely. She's gonna be a story My wife she? is like going, "Just pick someone. What are you doing?" And then she starts <laughs> laughing. It's hilarious every time. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I, why? Why did they call it? There's probably a reason. I, don't I know. haven't really looked into it. We're going to see much, if we can get a rep from DuckDuckGo on here to talk to us about it. Honestly, that's not a bad idea. I'm, I want to know more about DuckDuckGo. I want to know about the duck. Um, I'm going to go on their website later and they, we'll, we'll, we'll reach out. See if I want to talk to the duck. See if we can get somebody on there. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure everything that we're saying right now is, is probably half correct, or if that. So it would be good. I to think it's all wrong. I think it's all probably. wrong. The duck, the duck, duck, go person is going to be like, you guys were completely off. You've yeah. ruined whatever <laughs> little reputation we had. How dare yeah. you? <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, uh, being talked about. We're talking about it. It was in the news. Um, who knows? Maybe that's a signal. Maybe that means that they're, they're making some noise here. Maybe that means this, that people are actually interested in this, uh, non-customization, private type of browsing. I don't know. Let me ask you a question then. Do you think there's a scenario where Google and DuckDuckGo kind of coexist and they're both equally, you know, as big? Well, big in the terms of search. Let's not focus on like what, what all the other things Google does, but just focusing on search. Could they be equal and exist at the same time? No, they can't be equal. Uh, and the reason why is because it's a zero sum game. There's, if give any given keyword, just pick a random keyword. If it's searched one thousand times per month, that's it. Yeah. There's one thousand to slice around the pie. Right? There's only one thousand to divvy up. And if that means that DuckDuckGo all of a sudden takes fifty percent market share, then they're getting five hundred. Mm. Google's getting five hundred. So we're not going to. Okay. We're not increasing the number of searches. That's fixed. That's set in stone. It's just a matter of how we divvy them up. 
Okay. So, so it's, it's it's a battle. They got a battle. <laughs> it's I, I, yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, right now it's not even a battle. It's David versus Goliath. No, it's not but <laughs> but but if if enough people get pissed off and stop wanting their uh, their data used and taken, then DuckDuckGo maybe has an opportunity to enter the market for real. Well, the next step then is for us to get in touch with DuckDuckGo, see if we can get someone from them onto the show, and maybe we can figure out a little bit more about privacy, how they uh, how they how how they what they think about it. And uh, maybe what they have up their sleeve. Um, I can't believe we spent so much time talking about DuckDuckGo, but here we are. You, you know what we ought to um, do? We we spent <laughs> a whole shitload of time talking about them, and we have no idea like how their product even works. We should <laughs> we should just spend a week using DuckDuckGo and see see what it's like. You know what? Valid. That's I mean, I, it would be unfair to I invite have, the guy on the show on my phone. and have no yeah. idea what the product You're right. is. Good point. You know, idiots. So uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's use it for a week and see what happens, and we'll and we'll All report right. back. All right. Um, moving on to topic two. Brian Dean of Backlinko teamed up with uh, BuzzSumo. BuzzSumo is a it's like a, a tracking software that will tell you how many times your content's being shared, how many links right. it's getting. Um, all that kind of stuff. Our writers use it, you know, to uh, to help with topic ideation. You can see. Who's sharing what? What types of topics are being shared? It, it kind of gives you like a good idea of what kind of things are of interest in, in the market. Um, what they do have is a huge database full of information. So Brian Dean, who's a well-renowned SEO, teamed up with them to analyze, was it like 84 trillion blog posts, something like that? It's, it looks like it's 912. You were way off. Close. 912 Close. million blog posts. I'm the math guy. All right, don't. <laughs> you're stepping on my feet, buddy. You're the, yeah, but apparently you can't read. You're crowding it's me. The, it's the headline. You're crowding it's the me. the headline. Anyway. I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling they suffocated. Made it, they got this report. They learned a whole hell of a lot about content marketing. And while we're not going to go through every single stat in this thing, you found some interesting um, some some interesting statistics and, and data. What did, what did you find? Well, we knew that there was only a small portion of content that actually performed well on the web. I've been going around saying, you know, it's only like the top 5% of content that actually generates any sort of results. Right. I didn't have any basis for saying that whatsoever. I was just saying it because it seemed right. But yeah, you're just a man with a beard and just saying numbers that come into his mind. A glorious, glorious beard <laughs> with my arch. Oh, I did archery, by the way. I, did, I didn't tell you that, did I? No, no. Oh yeah, I was late. out there. I was out there like Legolas <laughs> shooting orcs. <laughs> I went out there and I had the ears on and everything. And the instructor's like, "What the hell? Get out! Get out of my ranch!" <laughs> but seriously, I was, I was, I was out there, uh, and she put me. Oh no, I was a dead ringer. I was hitting everything, but I was only like eight feet away. She put me like almost on top of the target. Like, like if a, if, if a sharp wind hit me and I had the arrow out, it would hit the middle of the target. <laughs> oh, so you're awful at archery. No. Okay at math, awful at archery. No, no I'm, Can't I'm, read. I'm great from six feet. I think we made that pretty clear. <laughs> That's your range. That's your range. Uh, I'll, I'll have so what is, so you were come. wrong about, you were wrong about uh, long form. No, so what, what no, no, no. I, would, I actually, is, I actually was not wrong about long form. So some of the statistics here, it says 94% of all of the content, the 94 trillion pages that I mentioned, um, gets zero backlinks. So 
only 6% of content produced, and I'm talking about like articles and blogs, not landing pages, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Only yeah. 6% get any backlinks whatsoever. That's, uh, <laughs> Dude, right? I mean, it's, it's shocking when you see it associated with a number. And you know, before we jump into this, why don't we explain what a backlink is? Can you give us the, um, you know, basic definition of what this is? Backlink. There's a lot of different expressions A backlink, incoming link, external link, all of those things mean the same thing. It means that you have a piece of content. It could be anything. It could be a blog, homepage, whatever. And somebody on a different website, which you call an external website, creates a hyperlink in their content that leads back to your site. These are valuable, or they can be valuable if they're from reputable sources. So like one backlink from a Forbes or an entrepreneur.com, any highly regarded websites pointing back to your site is going to lend a lot of SEO authority. So it's... Yes, it'll drive traffic from people that go through the article, but more importantly, it lends authority to your site and actually boosts your authority. So if you get one really strong backlink, it's almost worth more than 100 really weak backlinks. It's actually probably a lot more valuable than that. So I was just going to ask that, like in the scenario where you have a bunch of backlinks, but not from great authoritative sources, but you get the one, you know, from the A, from the A class sort yeah. of thing. That's so much better than anything else. Oh, you got so much more highly weighted, exactly. And that, that really is the name of the game because if you get a post that has a bunch of backlinks pointing to it, that's Google's indicator that this is like the piece of content for the keywords that you're targeting in that blog post. And we're talking about keyword rankings. Basically, this is this helps you rank for the keywords that you're targeting, and it helps your site itself, the overall domain, rank for the keywords that you're targeting. And so bring it all the way back, basically, the majority of stuff online right now has no backlinks. In the, major- in the majority of the time, that doesn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> but that's, that's really not a surprise. I mean, WordPress produces a, a graph every month on how many blogs were produced in the previous month. This is right. just WordPress, mind you. There's a lot of CMSs yeah. out there. WordPress uh, is in the neighborhood of like 75 to 85 million blog posts per month. So it constantly increases, and I get it. It's a numbers game. As that goes up, you know, the percentage of the number of these things that have backlinks starts to go down or even yeah. dwindle. So it looks it looks worse than likely it is. And, you know, there's probably also a lot of blogs out there that are, you know, not viable, not really live or updated on a regular basis that is still kind of um, going into that number. That being said, even if you took that out, it's still a little like, wow, I can't believe there's not more content out there that has backlinks. Well, the thing um, is, it's, it's not it's not just that haves and have-nots. It's that the haves have all of it and the have-nots have none of it. Meaning like mm. the, the, what is it, 6% of pages that get links get all of the links. So it, it's pretty much like a, a zero-sum game. You've got a very small proportion taking everything. When does the rebellion happen? When do these other blogs <laughs> we, rise up? We, we, <laughs> we've, we've kind of got like a proletariat 1984 class we thing, do. don't we? Yeah. yeah. This this is reading very political and dystopian. <laughs> Which is is on brand for us. It's so on brand for us yeah. to kind of dive into, the, into that sort of thing. So 
I mean, but I mean, it is how? the the, the uh, it is not you're right. The you're correl- right. it's very very close. It's the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and the more content that gets produced. Uh, the same thing keeps happening. It just becomes more and more stratified. Stratified, and now I actually have so data to back up my statements. Yeah, it's true. And now you don't have to be the the crazy person. I don't have to lie anymore. I just don't have to lie anymore. Have to lie anymore. <laughs> um, which is always positive. So you can put out great content. You can put out great creative and whatever. But if yeah. no one knows about it, <laughs> if no one even knows it exists, and they don't link to it. It's almost as if, like, it's not that great anymore. Oh, yeah, exactly. Part of the problem, it sounds like, is that if you create great content, you got to get it out there, which leads me to the idea of, like, oh, well, no-brainer, we should go to social, right? Let's put everything on our social channels. It'll get the distribution out there. People will understand, right, it has – they have that new chart, or Jeff has his, you know, 2,000-word essay he just wrote. It's good. Let's, let's, let's look at that. Um, but we also found out something about social in this thing, didn't we? We did, and – Actually, you're kind of right and kind of wrong. So if you're in the B2C space... Story of my life. Yeah, you've... Well, half half right on that statement. So if you're, B, if you're B2C, you've already got a leg up on B2B. Your content is 9.7 times more likely to be shared than B2B content. Full stop. 10x. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It makes sense. You know, B2C. Yeah, it's lifestyle. So on, but... Lifestyle stuff. Yeah, you get to talk about pop culture. You get to talk about food and travel. Those are all things well, that are built like, in, interesting. There's a built-in audience too. I mean, if you have, if you're a brand of a certain you know product or service, yeah, you know, half a uh, quarter of the battle is kind of already over. You've already got some people interested. Anyway, so there's already a difference between B two B and B two C. So B two B must not be faring as well. No, B two B gets killed, and it's actually even worse than that. Um, only 3%, according to the study again, I'm just, I'm actually citing real sources instead of making them up this time. According That's to the good, study, buddy. thanks, man. Only 3% of B2B blog content gets more than one inbound link, I, I, or actually more than one linking domain, right? So wow. we talked about domains that link to you. You can get yeah. like 18 backlinks from one domain, but it's not going to be as helpful as if you have like three different domains linking back to you that are all strong. So only 3% of B2B content gets multiple backlinking domains. So you could almost say that it's only 3% of B2B content is actually getting anywhere, really getting any traction. I mean, is this about just making friends? What's the, what's the answer here? How do we, um, you know, how does the B2B small, medium-sized business, great with great content or great creative, um, get more backlinks? Well, I mean, we could start speculating just from my experience where a lot of people go wrong is they, they make it too stuffy and they forget that you're talking to a person. We've talked about this. When creating content, yeah, yeah people forget that they're talking to people and you still have to like invoke emotion and reach them on a, on a personal human level in order to get their attention. And people forget that when they're writing B2B content. It's almost like the second you start writing something B2B, you, you change the language in your head and you put on a suit and you get super formal and completely <laughs> forget the fact that you're talking to just another dude or another woman on the other side of the screen. That's you know? true. But that that's just going with the, you know, with the audience, I guess. But I'm talking about like, how do you, are you saying the same thing about just getting other brands or other, 
authoritative sites to, to, to notice you. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have, like, I have to remember I'm talking to a person, you know, yeah. you also have to get, you also have to get an in with the popular kid in class, you know, they have to notice me and they have to kind of, you know, put, oh, my, yeah. Yeah, yeah. put my link, you know what I mean? So how, where does that, well, it's you, one, like I'm saying, it's one thing that is very creative, but you know, how is the, how is the popular girl going to find you, Jeff? How is yeah, she going to know you exist? You make, she doesn't, <laughs> sorry, I'm not qualified. <laughs> she actually. Never I, I was going to answer she this question, asked. but now that you framed it in a way that really hit home, <laughs> Like I'm not I'm suddenly very unqualified. Uh, your point about making friends. Yeah, that's it. You gotta, you have to make friends and there's a lot of different ways to do that. Like, uh, one of the ways that we do it is go to a conference, right. And listen to conference speakers, write up a roundup, right. include them in the roundup and send a tweet to them. Hey, thanks for the presentation. I got a lot out of it. Here's the roundup. Right. At least that's a touch point. That's something you're not going to be best friends um, you know, slapping each other on the back of the bar on Friday, but you're, you're starting to build some sort of rapport with them. Uh, we invite people to the podcast, you know, I mean, yeah, what's, what's better than someone saying, well, happened to you just this week. Oh, Francis, you're an expert. You should come talk on our podcast. How did you feel, Francis? Did you feel? I felt amazing. I felt great. I yeah. felt I was, uh, I, I, uh, had validation, I guess, to some degree. Um, I hope, I hope one day you feel the same. First time? You have a similar experience. <laughs> similar experience. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. No, it's it's uh, it's about making friends, making connections, um, genuine ones. I think that's where it gets back to, of, you know, feeling something that um, I understand what this person is saying. I respect it, and I want yeah. to be connected, you know, not and, only in person, but, you know, and it's not via just content. It's not just for an end goal either. So we, we talk about how this can help with getting backlinks and it can by doing those kind of things. But also right. the real goal is to establish a real partnership and a friendship because that goes way beyond backlinks. That means like co-branding webinars, co-branding infographics, um, yeah. presenting together at conferences and stuff. So, I mean, that's just really a surface level look at it um, when you just think, Oh, I just want to get a backlink from this person. But in reality, you could have a mutually beneficial partnership that goes a long time. So, I mean, the, and the other thing I wanted to touch on is that, um, go, just bringing it back to social real quick, there was, there was something in the report, and correct me if I'm going to say this wrong, but basically there was no correlation between an increase in Zero. backlinks yeah. and with social posts, right? Like nope. to, Just because you posted more on social actually didn't mean anything about getting more backlinks, nope. which seems so counterintuitive. No relationship at all. No. So what they did was a, is a basic correlation, uh, algorithm. So Pearson correlation coefficient will tell you if one set of data, uh, affects another set of data. Like if one moves one way, does the other move the same way or an opposite direction? Is there any effect on them? And the answer is no. So, Content that gets lots of backlinks doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get a lot of social shares. Um, wow. And I don't know. There's we could speculate on that. Maybe that's a good conversation to have. Why is that? I mean, I will automatically go back to uh, to Facebook and how um, the past couple of episodes we've been talking about the fact that people seem to be you know starting to step away. You know, their Facebook is not the thing that they want to be involved with anymore. Maybe they're only on there because of family reasons. But yeah. 
the you know interacting with a brand or a company with uh, through Facebook isn't isn't something that people want. And I wonder if this if this you know uh, data point in this report is a small indication that that maybe we're at the beginning of that. Might you know, be great. You put it on Facebook, but that might be part of it. That might be part of it, but also another thing might be just the the nature of the audience, the the attention span that you're getting into when you're talking about these two different mediums where you're publish if you're publishing content, you're really thinking through what you're writing and right. what you want to link to that's going to help the reader ideally. So you're in a different like long-term mindset there with a with a high attention span. If you're on social media and you just see a headline that grabs you, a lot of people just share it without even reading it because it's a catchy That's headline. A good point. And yeah, they think yeah. that their friends are going to be interested in it because they're interested in it. So it's it's like a very extremely short attention span type of behavior. That's a very I mean when you when you frame it that you're right. And it kind of makes sense now how uh, you know increasing or social shares wouldn't have an effect on backlinking because it's almost like two different sports. Yeah. You know, happening at the same time, um, which does make a lot of sense. It's still surprising. Just the idea of wanting to make connections and being able to, you know, quote unquote, make friends all, just online. You automatically think of social. Um, I guess the diff- I guess the one of the things is that maybe it can start there. It can start with LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, whatever it might be. But you can't rely on it. Well, it can also, yeah, that's true. But you can also, what we do is start with BuzzSumo, like we were talking about. And yeah. we'll just look up a topic. Like we'll look up uh, archery in Sonoma County and whoever's published <laughs> the most, <laughs> Legolas, whoever's published uh, the pieces of content, they got the most shares, which is how it's chrono- how it's organized. Most shares mm-hmm. to least shares. Uh, you just read the article and then send a note to the author and say, hey, we're writing something similar. Would you mind contributing a paragraph on such and such take that we're taking on this on this topic? And anytime I get one of those, like, yeah, of course. I mean, my ego goes through the roof. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling very content, very in control, sure. yeah. uh, very powerful. Yeah, uh, you know, of course. It's that's that's the a good opposite way of how you feel every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's like that one percent of the time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which I always, I mean. I really don't like you. Why do we do this? <laughs> Why do we do this? I don't know. Oh, because there's a nice, there's a nice dynamic here. My it's dog is fun. so much better company. Oh, I agree. I'm not going to deny that. Absolutely not going to deny that at all. Um, is there anything? Is there we anything could just have a, a segment of room? me talking to my dog and her snoring. That would be 10 times better. I would listen to that. And I would too. I, I, would I would love too. Cugini to, to mock that whole thing. I would love commentary. She's a dog Cugini. person. Right. She, would, she wouldn't mock it. She's a dog person. She's not a Jeff she, Baker person. Let's just be <laughs> honest. Touche. Touche. <laughs> okay. Is there right. anything else that you want to mention before we move on to topic three? Uh, yeah, there, there is something actionable for the audience, believe it or not. Um, mm. Longer headlines meaning 14 to 17 words, get 76.7% more shares than short headlines. And there's speculation on why that's possible, why that's happening. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe headlines are more specific and it gives you an idea of what it is that you're about to read. But 
the fact is 76.7% is a damned big chunk higher. And there's no reason to not do that. I, I have a theory. Um, because I, I, I've experienced this myself. When you see longer headlines, I am drawn to them. And I, I do end up reading them more. And when I see a shorter one, I do just kind of scroll right by. I wonder if it has anything to do with Twitter and the fact that we're kind of mm. conditioned to be reading these tweets. And in some, and some of them are kind of like mini headlines. A lot of them could be headlines, a blog post or whatever. Um, especially when some headlines now are actually incorporating hashtags. Um, I wonder if because of that, when we see a longer headline and then there's more content under that, that's almost kind of like a way in. Whereas if you just see something like, you know, um, best recipes for whatever or something that's short, it's yeah. almost like so bland or so generic. It's almost like stock. It's like a uh, stock headline. Yeah, I think you hit you it. Don't, I think it's generic. Don't read. Yeah, yeah I, I think it it's is. generic it's and bland. Whereas like if you get more in depth with, with your topic, what it is that's in there, you might actually yeah. spark something in somebody. And, and they feel it might be different enough that they want to engage with it. Yeah, um, exactly. At the very least, they're curious. But the second it turns into stock, it's like an, it's a, a reaction. Like, nope, I'm not even going to look at that. I'm going oh. to run as far as possible. Hold on. F- before we jump, because I know you're ready to jump, I want to give I you am, some yeah. – I got to hit you with some rage bait. List posts, uh, listicles – I guess they don't call them listicles anymore <laughs> – get 218% more shares than how-to posts – and 203% more shares than infographics. Your response. Uh, Your response, please. I, I can't. I can't. No. I can't. Ah. <laughs> that, that is aggravating. Oh. Sure. Yeah. Great. I'm glad listicles are doing. I. It's are annoying you? that um, a number and, you know, a list of whatever will always attract attention. I understand why psychologically we're built to want to see that list. What's even more annoying is when the numbers change, like, oh, instead of 12, it's 13 or 27 things you didn't know about this movie, blah, blah, blah. Um, Immediately clicking. I'm such a sucker. I want to know those 27 things. Yeah, how many of these 20s? And you know what? Even if I already know the 27 things, I just want the, like, oh, yeah, I totally knew this (laughs) stupid list. Ha, ha, ha. But I clicked on it anyway, so what does it matter? Well, our brains want that structure. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and but why? Super Jeff, why do we crave this structure so badly? We're stupid mammals, <laughs> and we have no attention span anymore. <laughs> yeah, valid, valid point. Um, you think if Faulkner was posting just, stuff on I, social media, anybody would click on it? I don't know. I, I get why listicles exist, Ugh. and I get why they're they're whatever. But that guy could um, describe. There are better ways. There are better ways. That's like I could saying. spend 27 pages describing his room. He <laughs> spend 30 pages describing an apple. <laughs> so pretentious. All right. I've, uh, I've gone on enough. I've, okay. I've baited awesome. you and I'm satisfied. Let's, let's you have. Move. Yeah. We, we both kind of stabbed <laughs> each other in that one. So I'm, yeah. happy. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. Um, let's move. Let's move on to topic three. So with the third topic, um, this was a, this was an interesting one for Jeff and I because it kind of starts with a um, with a, with a headline of a, of a of an article, but we're not even going to talk about the article. So basically, the headline is: Do agencies practice the content marketing they preach? And we wanted to take that headline and kind of look inwardly a little bit at Brafton, a little bit about what we've been doing, and ask that question to ourselves. Um, I can say 
with absolute authority that in the early years of Brafton, Brafton season one through like three, we did not. We did not, we did not practice the content marketing we preached. We were very focused on, you know, and we should be at the time, client, client, client. But in terms of how we handled ourselves, you know, we, we, we didn't. We, we weren't yeah. paying enough attention to ourselves. It's all, it's all growth phase, production, yeah. get it out the door. And not to mention, this was the heyday of content marketing. Where That's true. Volume reigned supreme. Yeah, absolutely. It was the daily sort of content. It was, you know, I want three stories a day, 200 words each, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I guess when you look back, you can make the argument that there was no time to do the content marketing we preached uh, for, for, for ourselves. Um, and that, and we had to, we had to change, you know, there was a point in then we had to pay more attention to ourselves. And Jeff, I would say that a lot of it's happened when, when, when you kind of took over the role and pushed us forward, pushed us beyond the line, close to the line and ran you, right over it. You pumping up my ego? Set me a up. little bit. See, cause I, I want you to, yeah, see, you you're setting me, it. you're setting me up for a fall though, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not setting you up for anything. Yeah. I think it's been great. I know, you, you know, <laughs> I see you Francis Ma. Stop it. Um, <laughs> but talk about it, man. Talk about, I guess, in your experience, what has Brafton done to practice the content marketing it preaches? You, well, first off, you have to. You have to practice what you preach, what you're preaching, because your prospects are going to be looking. Uh, I mean, that's that's the simple fact of it. And we're not even talking about inbound numbers, driving people from SEO. Just the fact that any prospect that you're working with is going to look at your blog to see how you represent your company, um, based on that, what they see, they're going to make decisions. And if it looks bad, if it, if it does not align with the story that they got from the sales team, then you've got this horrible dissonance here that's going to prevent you from getting a sale. It, it makes you out to look like a liar. Because what you're trying to do as a brand is sell a story. And there's, there needs to be a continuity with a story. So, Everything that you hear from uh, the first time that you see Brafton, talk to somebody at Brafton, to when you come back to the site, it should be all a continuous story and it should all be saying the same message. And when you've got a break in that message, uh, you get a break in trust. That's what it comes down to. It's, it's basically everything that you told me before is not true because uh, you've got all kinds of, you've got some conflicting things here. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I remember those years where we had that dissonance or disconnect even where, you know, we, we uh, presented ourselves as something. And when you look on our site, it was, it was not that at all. Um, I'm happy to report that I feel that we have that down. You know, there's a great story on Brafton.com. I think a lot of our prospects see the blog and I hear it from current clients as well. They say, we love what we do, what you guys do on the Brafton blog. We want more of that. Um, and I think that that speaks highly of, of Jeff, you, and but also of the creative team that we have. Um, I also think it's important to not only uh, uh, preach the content marketing that, 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 that you're trying to sell, but also trying to trying new things. And great example is, uh, is this little podcast that we, uh, we, we started middle of last year to, to now and, um, and since seeing how this, how this grows and, and, and evolves. Um, for our audience, what you should know is that Jeff and I have been talking about creating um, a landing page, you know, a landing page for the podcast, for something that um, is, is, is going to almost be like a central place for all things for Above the Fold. 
Um, another thing for, for people to visit, but a, a, a great kind of like housing area for not only uh, episodes, but other random stuff that Jeff and I kind of come up with to help promote and kind of like, you know, evolve the show. Um, I have no idea, you know, when that might, when that might launch, but I think it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting experience to, um, from beginning to end, how this, uh, how this landing page might look. And at that point on innovating and testing things, the marketing team uh, and any agency has to work like really close with a product team. They, they can't be separated because product team can come up with ideas and it's much, much harder to test those ideas on clients that are paying. You can't go to a client and say, hey, we're going to test this product on you, right? That doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> Whatever goes belly up. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's embarrassing. You sit there, <laughs> you're left holding the bag that's on fire. And I don't know if this thing works. I also don't know what this button does. Yeah, that's we're not gonna good. leave it with you. Bad we'll business. Leave it with you for a little bit. Bad business. You, <laughs> you got to start somewhere where it's safe, and it's safe uh, to a certain degree with your marketing team, especially when you got a website that drives a significant amount of traffic, like Rafton.com does. So we have a large data set that we can try all different kinds of techniques on, and all different types of writing style, and collect just massive amounts of data. And based on that. If things go well, and a lot of things don't go well, you're able to create some sort of product and it'll filter down to the product team. We've got data to back it up. Um, but what's not seen in this, you know, we've created some products here on the marketing team that started there. There's nine out of 10 are failures. You don't see those ones because we didn't test it on a client and the thud wasn't quite as loud as it would have been. That's a good point. I mean, what is. What are some of the failure failures that you've had? Was there was there like a uh, was there like a pizza based content thing? Did you try something that <laughs> was completely? Did you try VR but forgot you didn't know anything about VR? I mean, what what did you do? What did that, give give us a fail? Oh, uh, let's see. So what did I do? Um, oh yeah, this was good. So we created search performance briefs, and it's basically a a way of, of writing content that makes it more comprehensive. So it's better for the reader and it does, right. it does really, really good in search. Like we get at least 50% of our keywords from new content to rank on page one using this technique, whereas we got maybe 1% before. So really, really works. However, when I first created this product, uh, which tells you how comprehensive your content is, I would hand it to the writers just as like a spreadsheet of words <laughs> and and I'd say rewrite this post using this content, except I didn't tell them which content was already in the post that was already optimized. <laughs> right? Like like I had a whole report. I was looking at a full report of all the topics they oh, needed man. to cover in the topic, in in the uh, content, and I just handed them the new related topics that they were missing and said write on this. And all they wrote on were the related topics, as they should have, as per my instructions. And then, <laughs> and then basically we optimized for one thing and we lost on the other thing. So we just ended up at net zero. Um, and then I just kind of like banged my head against my hand. I was like, oh, well, that, that was stupid. Um, oh. I've had plenty of things. to a better place. That's the I point, am, though. It I, got us <laughs> to a better place. And I think uh, if you had launched that into a client, they would have been like, what, the, what, what is this, sir? How dare you? How dare you give me a spreadsheet, first of all? And um, this makes this makes no sense. Oh, uh, there's I got a better one than that, actually. Uh, <laughs> we can go all day long, man. So we've got a uh, BDR team that does uh, outreach. 
And in order to improve our conversion rates, I suggested that we give an, an offer as per getting a meeting. So if a BDR reaches out to a prospect, they'll say, hey, in exchange for a meeting, we'll give you a like a competitive audit where we look at your website and your competitors' websites. Well, guess what? That was a great idea, and I got tons of people into meetings. And yeah. they didn't want to have anything to do with Braffin. They just wanted the free audit. So <laughs> that was a that was a pretty that was a pretty substantial failure. Like three months of of work after me putting together that brilliant idea and a bunch of prospects getting free audits and no interest in Brafton. That was a good one. But 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 look look at the chart where you got your meetings sp- spiked in the in the, in those in that span of uh, what two or three months. I mean that's a positive number, right? Oh, it was a perfect re- inverse relationship. The number of <laughs> meetings that came in shot up, and then the number of actually clients that have demand yeah. shot yeah. straight through the floor. <laughs> so I effectively increased the amount of time that we have to spend pitching prospects and decrease the amount of money that we get. So again, probably good to try that first here as opposed to handing that idea to a client. That's <laughs> how uh, you lose business. Which I get. Yeah. And, but it's again, yeah, it's, it's always good to kind of try it out in the sandbox that you own as opposed to the, you know, your friend's sandbox. Yeah. Um, we just kicked you know, kitty litter and, over that one. <laughs> Speaking of sandbox, just pretend it didn't happen. Oh, uh, you know, and with that, I think that's a good, um, that's a good end point. Um, it's, it's actually rare. We talk about, um, you know, what we're doing and how we're going to expand or evolve the, uh, the podcast. So, I think that's a good thing to uh, for, for the audience to know. And we will keep you guys updated on that landing page and uh, maybe even take you through some of the heartache or failures that we, we experience along with it. Um, but we're excited. <laughs> uh, we already have a lot of content to put up, put up there already. We just need the uh, you know, we just need the place to throw it all in. So uh, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. See you, everybody. <laughs>